Praise the Lord. Isn't that awesome to feel that way? I've said it before, and I guess I'll keep saying it because it's a marvel to me that some people can actually live in this life. They really don't want the Lord. They really don't want to know Him. They don't want to hear about Him. They want nothing to do with Him. I'm just so grateful I'm not one of them. I know it seems, you know, for those who seem to have to have a God, the great scientific mind, and they consider us very weak and very feeble because we have to have a supernatural power. But they won't consider us weak when our bodies are changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. And Adam won't be able to do that for us, will he? It'll take the power of God. So happy for you all to be here today. As Brother Lewis always already said, we so appreciate the deacon brothers and the brothers on the sound booths and the audio booths and the musicians being able to be here whenever we have what I call a skeleton crew. But it's so glad today to have muscles, skin and sinew. And, I mean, it's still a body. A skeleton is still a body, and we're grateful for it. But there's just something about the saints being here. We, um, we're very much aware, of course, that we have very... Uh, very much uh, sickness in our church and we're asking God for his mercy to intervene for for each one also I talked to brother Tim uh, Burdett just a few minutes before I came out and he has a little granddaughter and her name is Cynthia she's three years old and she's not been able to eat and they first thought it was COVID and then they determined that it was not that but they had to rush her to Greenville South Carolina this morning by ambulance and they're doing several tests on her, uncertain yet exactly what it is. They think possibly it might be a Crohn's disease, but they're not sure. She just doubled over in pain, three-year-old child. Brother Tim, you could just hear it in his voice. He was just so, so tore up about it. I think any of us would be, wouldn't we? So he wanted to know if we would pray for her today. How many has a need to request on your heart? Let's remember all those that are sick as well. Heavenly Father, it is so wonderful to be back in your house today. Lord God, we love your presence. It's hard for my mind to comprehend what it will be when we get there. And we will never, ever have to leave that awesome presence of God. But Father, until we get there, we're placed here to serve you. We're placed here that we might be able to spread the light of what you have done. Dear God, before we approach the word now, we have these urgent needs and requests that we're asking for. Father, I pray for Brother Tim Burdett's little granddaughter, three-year-old Cynthia. Lord, she needs your touch today. The doctors are not even sure what's wrong with her. But Father, we know that you know We know sometimes these things can hide from a doctor and they can hide from a scan, but they can't hide from the all-seeing eye of Almighty God. So we pray for that little child today, Father. May you just move for her parents, her grandparents, and help them, Lord. You know how we are when things come our way that we become nervous and we become anxious and there's an element of fear that tends to grip our hearts. But Lord Jesus, we're so grateful that you understand that and you don't disown us when it comes. For the Bible tells us that you yourself in the book of Hebrews, that you feared death. 
You had to experience fear to bring a complete deliverance for us. Then, Lord, we're asking today for all of our brothers and sisters who are sick and afflicted. Lord, we've got so many things that are going on in our church, in our state, in our cities here, in our world. And Father, we know that you are a healer. And we're calling for you today to arise with healing in your wings. Lord God, and bring deliverance for all of your children. Lord, some with COVID, some with viral this and that and the other and all types of bugs and things. But Lord God, we're just believing you for a complete deliverance. I'm sure I was thinking about it earlier today that many of us have said in the last couple of years, like never before, even so, come Lord Jesus. Truly the world is falling apart around us. But Lord God, we look to you today. I stand here in need of you, Father. Help me. Help me to get out of the way. Shut my mouth to anything that would displease you. Anoint me to speak the words of life. And anoint your people to receive it, I pray. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you, saints. Let's read together, if you would, in the book of Colossians. Today, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. We'll read... uh, few verses down through um, verses 18, and then I'll let you be seated, and then we'll read a couple of more. Who is the image of the invisible God? The image of the invisible God. So when people draw a picture for you, or they preach a picture for you, that there is an old man sitting on the throne and a younger guy sitting by him, just remember That's contrary to the scripture. God is invisible. As a matter of fact, the prophet goes ahead and says a little bit more about that and says he has never been seen and never will be. Never been seen and never will be. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or power, principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Now remember John says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God And the Word was God. And the same as in the beginning with God, and all things were created by Him. And then verse 14, he says, and the Word was made flesh. So here him and Paul are going in the same direction, in the realm of visibility and the realm of invisibility. And he created all things, and by him they are and were created. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. Now, what you notice, he's making reference now to him and he, which is a person. So we're not talking about just a figment of someone's imagination, but it is a person. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Lord, have mercy, children. There's so much contained in these four verses of Scripture. We could never get it all preached. No wonder it'll take eternity to look at it. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, 
the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. May the Lord bless his words. You may be seated. Let's continue reading in verse 24. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Now, I want you to listen how that Paul is relating to the true church. Now, remember there, there is a church natural and there is a church spiritual. And it makes it difficult because both of them are called church. As a matter of fact, the prophet tells us in the church age book that he will relate to both of them as church. He will call them both church. But there is one that is natural and one that is spiritual. But here Paul is not addressing so much church natural. Church natural has already come into view because this is about 65, 66 AD. So it's been about 32, 33 years after the advent of the Holy Ghost. So Satan has already caught a glimpse of what the Lord wants to do. So by now, he's already got an impersonation group on the earth, which he also is calling church. But here Paul is focusing on the church spiritual. And he says, whereof I am made a minister, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery, the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now those who stop at the pastor, those who stop at the prophet, and they constantly want to focus of the riches of God in the prophet, that want to stop of the riches of God in the pastor, in the evangelist, in the teacher, they've not yet called up to Paul's message 2,000 years ago. Because Paul knew he had a great portion of the riches of the mystery of God. But I want you to notice Paul is not even pointing to himself. Peter, he's not pointing to him. He's not pointing to Andrew and many of the rest of the brethren because Paul had caught the revelation that the second step of God's great mystery was not just God in the ministry. It was God in the body of Christ, which is you. Notice how he phrases this, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereunto I also labor, listen to this now, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. 
Now, let me read also to you, and Christ the mystery. Now, God's great secret mystery. He had before the world began. Now, back in the back part of God's mind, there was something he was trying and going to achieve, and he had a motive in doing it in order to let himself be expressed because first there wasn't even a moon, a star, atom, molecule, or anything. He was God, but he wasn't exactly God at that time because God is an object of worship and there wasn't nothing to worship him. So in his great mind, he wanted these attributes to be expressed. And in him was love, in him was to be father, in him was to be son, in him was to be savior, in him was to be healer, and all these great attributes that we see already expressed, they were in God. Now, I invite you this morning to let us leave this building, if we can, for a little bit. I know that we have worries and troubles and anxieties, and we have loved ones that are sick, and we have uh, many of our own body that are uh, affected by COVID and by various other things. And we've got folks that have very serious needs in their body and in their home. And maybe you today are struggling because you're trying to get into the service and you want to be able to receive something from the Lord, but you have things that are so pressing on your mind. And that's, that's the human part of us. But I wonder if we could be able to leave beyond this 19, my, 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 whenever we thought we'd never probably live past 1977. And many of us to think, oh, we'll be really stretching it if we go past 1980. And then when the new year of 2000 was going to roll around, we thought, it can't be. It cannot happen that we are here to the year 2000, no way. And then each year after that, of course, we just knew it was gonna be the very last year. And here we are in 2022. Who among us would have ever thought that we would have been here this long? Well, maybe you did, but I certainly did not. I thought when we come to the message in 1983, I even preached it back into the church in Kentucky, that we were probably the last ones on the earth to even hear about this message. Because the urgency, Brother Larry, you remember, you was there. And whenever I began to see that, I thought, my goodness, the God's prophet has done been here and come and gone, and we're probably some of the very last ones to be able to come in. But I realized God had a reason for letting me feel that way so that I would get in there and get into the word and get into the message and become a part of what God wanted us to do. Little did I know that we would be here all of these years later and still proclaiming that same truth. But much with much more difficulty now, with much more strain, much more anxiety and sickness that's in the earth. And you know as well as I do, it's becoming a more unfit place to live every Every day that we are here. But I wonder if God would help us here today to be able to leave this rapture, this building for a few moments in rapture. 
Now, you know when Brother Branham was able to get himself out of the way and God gifted our brother where he would be able to turn himself so over to God and God would take his eyes and God would take the conscience and the unconscious part and be able to merge them together and Brother Branham would enter into a vision and he would give his body to the Lord and the Lord would give him a private rapture for a few minutes and carry him up into the realm of vision. And Brother Branham would see it right before him. And in that realm of fourth dimension, Brother Branham was able to go into the past and see maybe a backwards in a person's life, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. And then in a moment like that, he could come right back to where they were in the present. And he could look forward in the future and maybe see 20, 30, 40 years down the road and see that individual as an old man or an old woman. And by that, he would know that this disease that they had was not going to kill them. So in the fourth dimension, he would move from 20 years ago to the present to 40 years in the future, just like that. What was able to do that? God was giving him, as it were, a personal rapture, a change by which he was able to be caught up in a moment and break into that, and then he would come out of the vision, and when he would, he would say, now, nah, I don't remember what he said. Was that right, sister? What he, what he told you, was that true? Why? Because he was caught up, a part of him in that, and God used his human instrumentality, and when the supernatural set him back down, he did not recollect what he said. He did not remember. Oh, something didn't you have? Something when it's something so and so and then here the Lord would come again and pick him back up and he'd say, oh yeah, I know what it was. It was you've got a gallbladder, you've got this or that or the other, but if you will believe, you will be made whole. I see you as an old man or an old woman and what he was able to do from the past to the present to the future. And what did that do? That brought such uplifting faith and encouragement to the people of God that were there. Are our troubles real today? Yes, they are. Are our burdens real? Are our anxieties and things like that? Yes, they are. Can we ever humanly get to a spot to where we'll ever be able to lay them down? No. But momentarily the Spirit of God can raise us to a place to where we're able to get our faith and our confidence charged in the presence of of God. Now, no doubt, Brother Branham, it gave him such faith, and this is why I could say, if the Lord showed him a vision of George Washington being raised from the dead, that he would go to the National Cemetery, and he would call for whoever to come, and stand there and say, if he's not up from the dead in such a matter of time, then I'm a false prophet, because it gave him such faith. You understand what I'm saying? So moving from the natural into the realm of the supernatural was able to produce such faith in his heart. Then what about us today with all of our rub, our troubles and things that we're going through? Don't you believe the Spirit of God be able to lift us into a sphere this morning to where we could get a little bit more of a charge in our walk with God and help our faith become elevated to a level? Now I know sometimes, Father, whenever 
whenever he sends his word. And we're going through difficult times that he will anoint his men servants and they will get right down there where we are in the very same plane that we're going through. And they'll share with you things that they're suffering and all of that. And God will use that as a way to be able to encourage the people. And then there are other times that God will do us as he did Job. And when Job was so low and going through such a terrible time in his life that he never dreamed he'd ever be there. Father did not come down and get down on Job's level and begin to tell him about sorrow and anguish of heart and sadness and losing your children and all of your family and all of that. But this time, Father chose to express his greatness before Job so that Job would be able to look away from his troubles and be able to look up at God. And we went through several years ago that God began to ask Job, Job, where was you when I laid the foundations of the earth? And when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. And God asked him, is it your voice that caused the hinds to calve? Is it your voice? And God began to mention, of course, the Bible that Job read, which was the constellations. And he mentioned Pleiades, the seven sisters, Orion, and all of that. And then God began to say, is it you that causes the hoarfrost to come upon the earth? Is it you that does this and this? So this time, God chose not to come down on Job's level in order to comfort him on that level. But he chose to magnify himself as the great eagle. Now, we know Brother Ram used the example for us, and he said that whenever the mother eagle would take her little children down, and she was going to let them learn how to fly. And they would each one grab a hold of her wing, and then she'd go down and set them in the valley, and she'd get right above the nest before she'd leave, and she'd just flop her big old wings, and they would just sit there and look at her, and oh, how great she was. Now, why is she doing this? Because before long, they're going to be in the middle of a storm. Now, she knew that, but they didn't. And she's instilling or imprinting this image in their heart. Remember, I am your strength giver. I am your provider. I'm everything that you need. Now, it's amazing how that our, our minds are so imprinted by things that we see. It's no wonder that people are dealing with so much pain and sorrow and such fear. Our news is filled with it. It comes from the White House down to your house and my house. It's everywhere. Now, what does that do? That imprints upon us if we're not careful fear. Now, let me just give you a natural parallel in the natural animal kingdom. I've been on the Messiah Mara, which is one of the great, great plains of the Serengeti. And it's there, and it, 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 it contains the country of Kenya and of Tanzania. And I've been there in times whenever the zebra are giving birth to their young. And there will be thousands times thousands of those zebras that are there and they're giving birth. And it's a miracle to watch how God cycles it. But there's so many there and the stripes of all of the mothers and all of the fathers. And yet there they are. But whenever that mother will drop her baby to the ground and the very first thing that she will do when that little baby gets up and it goes to trying to stand around, she will blind its view from the body of other zebra 
or as they call it, their zebra. They, she will blind its view and you can watch them when that little baby standing up and he's just trying to move around and he's opening his eyes for the first time. She will put herself between him and the rest of the herd. She will put herself between him and everything else on the plains of the Serengeti. Why? Because she wants to imprint the pattern of her stripes in his little mind. She wants him, the very first thing that he sees is to see and recognize her. Can, now, can you imagine? Here there's thousands of them that are being born within a matter of weeks. And yet she will put herself between him and all the noise and all the mess and all the trouble and all the rest of the things that are going on. Now remember the lions know this. And the lions are right there in the bush. So are are the leopards, so are the cheetahs, so are the, the black jackals, and so on and so on. But she wants to imprint upon his little eyes her very own stripes. Oh my. I wonder if that isn't what the Lord wants us to see sometimes. And yet we look at so much trouble and so much sorrow and so much difficulty, and if we'll only listen, our Father is trying to put himself between us and all of our trouble. So we will keep our eyes on him as the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And there again, you can see why that Satan wants us to look at this trouble and this statistic and that graph and this and that and the other and get us all worried and all tore up. Oh, look, friend, we might as well just commit our lives to God. It was God who brought us on the earth and it's gonna be God that's gonna call for us to go home. And the devil cannot take you at will. He cannot do anything. I don't understand why things come the way they do, but I trust my father and know he makes absolute Absolutely no mistakes. And I know that our God is mighty in the middle of COVID. He's mighty in the middle of whatever else we're dealing with. Is that right? And I wonder sometimes if he doesn't want to get between us and the trouble, between us and the heartache, and for us to see how great, how wonderful, how majestic that he is. Are you willing to venture with me this morning? Let us now take a little journey if we can. It's not necessarily on a spaceship. Where we want to go, an airplane cannot take us. Even our imagination would be limited and how far we could go. Science would only be able to take us so far and then they would break off and they would not be able to complete the journey. But let us go into the realm of supernatural to where we will get a little picture in our mind as it starts forming. Now, Keep in mind, Father wants to put himself between you and all of your troubles. So his greatness, his, no, let me not say it this way, not so much his stripes, but his scars. His scars, his love, his mercy, his greatness will be between you and all of your trouble. And David said, when I am overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. How many needs a journey this morning to that rock? Now, let me read this to you. It's, it's a sermon called, Who is God? And I want you to listen when this is preached, 19 and 50. 
1950. Let's just picture now as a little drama so you can get it. Let's see something coming out of space where there's nothing. Let's make it a little white light, like a mystic light, like a halo. And that was the logos that went out of God in the beginning. Now you say, Brother Donnie, but I, I, I've got such trouble and I've got such problem. Why in the world are you going to preach to me about Logos and all that great thing? So Father can put himself between you and all of your anxieties. Does this do away with your anxieties whenever the mother zebra will get between her baby and everybody else? Now what happens, friends, if she does not do that and that baby imprints upon another zebra, what happens if is this, that zebra will not take care of that baby because she knows by its smell it is not hers. You know what happens to that baby? That baby will wander around and it will die because another mother will not take it as her own. It is life and death for this baby zebra to have its mother's image imprinted in its mind. So the mother, now I mean I've seen it where they'll stand right around if the baby moves a mother will go round and around and around and around. And somehow she knows when that image has been imprinted on her baby and her baby is safe because now the baby knows who mama is. Not only that, but the mama will begin to make this, it's almost a neighing sound, sort of similar to a horse, but a lot higher pitch. And she will be doing this as well. So the baby imprints the image and the pattern and scientists say, I don't know how they know it all unless they counted every one of them because there's hundreds of thousands of those things that there's none of them that are identically the same. There are none of the zebras, the pattern, the stripes and so on. There's the brachelle and all the different types of zebra and there's none of them that are exactly the same. They may look similar but there's something different about your mama. Let me say it this way. There's something different about your papa. That's right. Now the Pope may want to say he's our papa. He ain't mine. He ain't got my identifying stripes and scars. Well, praise the Lord. But also she wants him to be able to hear her voice. Now, if he goes out there and he goes to jumping around and kicking and they do and they get a few days old and a few weeks old and they'll run and jump across the Serengeti and they'll my, they'll kick up and they mother may get away from them a little bit. But mama will begin to call. And whenever she begins to call and the baby begins to call and then he goes to looking. So now he's going by hearing and he's going by sight and he will actually be drawn right back to that mother though there's thousands and thousands in the herd in the Messiah Mara and yet he will be able to hear her voice and see her stripes that is already permanently marked in him and they will be there as long as he lives. Well, I'll tell you one thing. This is why God has such confidence in his word. Be elected knowing that this imprint was made upon your soul before the foundation of the world. And all God's got to do is get you and I in his presence and produce a birth. It will be with us through eternity. 
Now, what's this? This is actually Father God giving birth to a son. I know this seems very unusual, but yet God before the foundation of the world is giving birth to a tangible form of himself that man will be able to touch and love and be able to see because this is all in the invisible realm. That was the son of God that came out of the bosom of the father. This is what Jesus said when he comes to the earth. I proceeded forth and came from God and I go back to God. Now this is why again he says St. John 10 and 30, I and my father are one. That was in the beginning and it was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now remember in this form, the Lord Jesus did not look like a man. Now this is pre-Jesus incarnation. So he wasn't even called Jesus yet, but he was called Christos or Christ, which is the anointed one. So it's the visible part that God created and it was all totally invisible, but all of a sudden something comes into view. So this is the beginning of the creation of God. Now then let him put his stripes between you and your trouble. Let him put his greatness between you and your trouble. Let him lift you this morning to where your faith will be elevated above what you're going through to where you're going to. Let it be elevated from what you're going through to where you're going to. I know it may seem like COVID will never end, but it had a beginning and it will have an end. Flu has a beginning and it will have an end. Colds and so on and so on. The trouble and things that we are going through, they had a day they started and they will have a day they end. But if we have eternal life today, we never started on those certain day and we never will end. Notice this, he said, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was God. Then out of God came the Logos, a part of God that went out of God. Now in there he says, it's like a little child playing before the door. It was the son of God, the Logos. Now those of you here today that have sons in your home and you say, wow, look at him. He looks so much like his daddy. I'm telling you what, I don't think I'll ever forget that I, the day that I dedicated Brother Isaiah Vaughn's little boy. Now most of the times Carol will ask me, who'd it look like? I said, it looked like a baby to me. You know, because I look at him and say, I don't know who it looks like, but whenever they brought that little young'un up and laid him in my arms, it looked like this size of an Isaiah Vaughn. I mean, it was like a clone. Y'all remember that, I'm sure. He looked so much like his daddy. Hopefully the poor little fellow would grow out of it. <laughs> Only teasing brother Isaiah. But it, it, it shocked me. I mean, it just so shocked me because one of the very few times of the hundreds of babies that I've dedicated over the years that I had no problem, glory to God, I had no problem in telling who that boy's daddy was. Oh my, now that you might say, well, I don't know, it could be this guy, it could be that guy. There was no mistake about knowing who this boy's daddy was, who he belonged.
belong to, you wouldn't even need to do a DNA test on that little fella because he looks so much like his papa. Oh, don't we want to be that type of a Christian in the middle of trouble and in the middle of stress that people can look at us and say, I see the looks of his father in him. I see the looks of her father in her. And when she's going through such trials and through such trauma, you can still see the image of her father, the image of his father so imprinted on his soul. He's acting the same way. Why? Because God believed his own word. And a son or daughter of God will believe God's word in the same way that God does. Now, notice how the prophet is relating this now in a mystical type of a way. Let's make it a little white light, like a mystic light, like a halo. And that was the logos that went out of God in the beginning. That was the Son of God that came out of the bosom of the Father. That was in the beginning was the Word. Now notice again there in paragraph 17. Then there's just like a child playing before the door. So this mystic light goes out and it comes into the realm of visibility. So it's the first thing that could be seen. And that's why he pre-existed the world. He pre-existed all the creation because in him he is the beginning of the creation of God. What we just read right here is the fulfillment of what John saw and said in the book of Revelation. He was the beginning of the creation of God. Right here it is. The beginning of the creation of God. So this is what went out of God. Now it will change so many times. It will transcend. It will condescend. It will come down. It will take on human form. It'll look like a pillar of fire. It'll look like a cloud. It'll look like a bush. It'll change its appearance so many times, but eventually it will wind up looking like a human being. Oh my. Oh glory to God. I can see him out there and he spake and said let there be light and there was nothing. <laughs> he spake and said let there be light and there was nothing but there was something happened. And I Adam turned there and began to whirl around this way. And the sun began to come into existence. Because he said, let there be, there's the authority. Where did he make it from? I don't know. There was nothing to make it from. But he believed his own word. Here's the first step or the first manifestation of faith. God believed his own word. Now, where do we come from that? God spoke and he let an element of time pass when there was nothing. What's he doing setting the pattern for you and I? That we will speak and sometimes nothing happens. We will believe and sometimes nothing happens. But keep believing, it will happen. So notice then, God believed his own word, and there was light. When did it come into existence? Not when he spoke it so much, but when he believed what he spoke. God believed his own word, and there was light. I can see a little piece fly off that's a meteor. After a few million years, a hundred billions of years, if you want to call it, and it's circled way out. I see him standing there watching it and it falls down and there he stops it after a few million years 
and let it hang in orbit. Here goes another one flying off the sun. It goes over here, hangs down, stops it there. What's he doing? Writing his first Bible. So the first Bible was written out of stardust. The second Bible was written out of ink, parchment, or animal skins, right? The law of God, of course, coming down to the earth. And God brought it on down, on down. So he writes it in the heavens and he brings it down to the earth. But the final manifestation of this imperfection is when his word is made flesh. Oh, many people pack their Bible under their arm and they're so proud. You ought to thank God for your Bible. I'm still, we are still dealing with brothers and sisters around the world in this message to this day that do not have their own personal Bible. I saw just some pictures the other day of some different groups in Africa. And for the first time in their life, first time in their life, they had their own Bible in their own language. We've got them on our phone. We've got them in CD form. We've got them in MP3 form. We've got them everywhere. And I wonder how many of us even read ours. And yet brothers and sisters around the world for the first time in their life, and many of them have been serving the Lord for decades, but they would have to share a Bible. Can you imagine? I've seen it just a few years back that there were some believers in other parts of the earth and they had like one Bible among the, the congregation. And say Brother Fred would take uh, John chapter one and two and they cut the Bible apart. They cut it apart and they would take pages of the Bible and share it. We'll say, well, Brother Harvey gets Luke chapter one and chapter two and then you get John chapter one and you get Hebrews one and then you take that and read it all week over and over and over again and then you come back to church next Sunday and then you trade pages and then you get, can you imagine? Can you imagine being like that and you think God don't love them as much as he does you? Absolutely does. But you see what we're going to have to answer for, don't you? So we have so much at our disposal. And yet the word of God, the word of God is not just being that which is on the pages of the Bible. It is that which God is able to speak and thought about before the world ever began. So here he's writing his first Bible. And of course he had another one in the pyramids and then it written in paper. Notice in the beginning was God and now we're watched coming into existence. A little white light, we'll call it like a halo. And that was the son of God. The son of God. The logos that went out of God in the beginning. God giving birth to a son. And when he made everything, notice this again, to show us the Father, when he made everything that looked nice and good to him, and now he said, let us, plural, make man, plural, in our image, what was he? There is a supernatural being that was one that could not be seen. The Father never was seen, never will be seen. He's all nature, and there he is. And now here's the son, which is the Logos, which went out of him, made in his image, a supernatural being went out in the beginning. You see, Satan wants to put this image between us and what he wants us to believe about God. Of course, many of you was probably like myself that you believed in the trinity of gods. And the prophet tells us in Christ's mystery, Satan told you that to make an idol worshiper out of you, to make a heathen out of you. 
What's it to do? And there's people in this message that still struggle trying to understand the Godhead. It is no marvel to me that some of those who have left the message and one of the first things they do is to bob their hair and do all that sort of thing is many of them have got rebaptized back in titles. Why? They're not just denying God sending a prophet. They're denying the revelation of the Lord Jesus himself. So they want to take them titles back upon themselves. Many of them have got rebaptized and when they done it, they done it spiritually back into the Catholic Church. Well, praise the Lord. Well, we got to be honest and say they didn't have a revelation in the first place. Somebody talked them into it and somebody else talked them out. But if God bursts you in, ain't no devils out of hell can take you out because it is a revelation. Now, you don't remember it and I don't either. But yet, when this Logos went out of God, I actually went out of him in seed form. Now, not in Donnie Reagan form. This is not the true representation of who I am. This is not the true representation of who Brother Fred is as the son of God and the rest of you sons and daughters of God. You don't remember it. Your mind has been darkened to it. But when the Logos went out of God, God gave birth not only to a son, but into his entire elect. Oh Lord Jesus, thank you Father. Notice this. Oh God. Question answers. Now no one has seen God Now the next thing we begin to see by eyes of supernatural looking, we see a little white light forming out there. What is it that was called by the Bible readers Logos or the anointed or the anointing as I was going to say. The part of God that began to develop into something so human beings could have some type of an idea of what it was. Don't you see why he done that? Because he loved you. He is so great in this form. Even the elect, the prophet even tells us, it would blind the elected had he not condescend to such a form. There's no way we could comprehend, understand, be able to figure out in our mind a being that never was, a being that knew every fly that would ever be on the earth. He knew every mosquito that would ever be on the earth. He knew every person. He knew it all before the world began. He has not had one new thought. Wow. I wake up in a new world every day, don't you? Man, you have new thoughts about this. Can you imagine a being that has never had a new thought? That has never had, oh, I wish I'd have thought of that yesterday. He can never think that. He is eternal into the realm of the infinite and even beyond that. How could we ever comprehend such a being? We could not. So before we could ever become into manifestation, he must first change himself and bring himself in a form that people can be able to relate to him. Oh, God gave himself birth to this son. I thought only women could do that. Well, they only can when it comes to humans, but only God can give birth to Logos. Our sisters cannot give birth to Logos. No, they can reproduce their husband, but they cannot give birth to Logos. So there was no female goddess there. 
Well, praise the Lord. I know in the age we're living in, people don't want to say he and her and she and all that sort of thing. And they've got a Queen James Version of the Bible now because they're offended by us calling God a he. Well, they're just going to keep on offended, being offended because he is a he. He ain't a her. He wasn't a she. And then he become a he. He was always a he. He always will be a he. Well, he made me a he and I always will be a he. Well, praise the Lord. He made you sisters a she, and you'll always be that because that's the way he made you to be. Is that right? Oh, my. So God gave himself birth to this son, which was before there was even Adam. This is why Paul places it in the book of Colossians and said, he was before all things and by him all things consist. And he made all things. So what was, here was the logos which came out of this invisible great being called the eternal. And now this was what God was gonna make everything else from, the logos. So Jesus, as we know him today, Jesus was the Logos before the foundation of the world. When God gave birth to this son, this is what he was. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Jesus said, glorify me, Father, with the glory that we had before the foundation of the world. See, way back in yonder. But Brother Donnie, I'm sick. Brother Donnie, I've got sadness. Brother Donnie, I've got, let him go before you. Let him go before you. If he could do this when there was nothing, can he take care of me and you? If he could do this when there was nobody there, there was no doctors, there was no physicians, there was no scientists, there was nothing, and if he thought of you and I then, cannot he bring us through what we're going through now? Notice he says this, when he was in heaven, when he was in heaven, It breaks my heart, friends, you know, for people. I realize we're living in an age when people think what you believe about God don't really matter. We'll look at that a little bit again Wednesday night. But a lot of folks say, well, you just believe in God. You just believe in God. That's all you got to do. But we know in reality there's much more than that. But that's the way many go to church. They really don't understand, and they really don't think they need to understand. They just believe in God. So if you believe in God, when you die, you go to heaven because you believe that there's a God. But that is so far from the truth. But God does desire his his sweetheart to be able to be pulled close to him. Brother Ben said, don't you remember that girl that you was going with? And he said, before you ever got married, said, just pull her up real close and tell her secret things. Not these flirters. You see, many of the churches are flirters. They flirt with grace. They flirt with mercy. They flirt with forgiveness. But the bride's not a flirter. She's married. Now watch, the Logos that went out of God in the beginning. When he came down on the earth, he was not made to be an angel. He come down on earth and took the form of a bondsman. Not an angel, not come down the great Jehovah glory, not come down the great Jehovah glory, but he came down as a man to redeem man. Came down as a man. Brother, sister, you can't make the gospel story more simple than this. He came down as a man to redeem man, to die for man as a man. Wow, praise God. Came down as a man to redeem man, to die for man as a man. He never died as God. He died as a man. 
if you don't remember nothing else I say, remember these next words. The sin of man was upon the son of man. He loved fatherhood. And in order to become a father, he had to become a son. But he had to become a son of God before he could become the son of Mary or the son of man. And when he was first the son of God, it wasn't an old man, and out of an old man come a young man. But out of the invisible came the visible. So out of this great light, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So out of this great expanse in the universe, and we would be able to look toward, here's all these rays of this effigy of glory, and it's just coming down nearly blinding us, and we can't even see, we can't even behold it, and all of a sudden, out of that great rays of glory comes a little bitty, little bitty tiny mystic light like a halo. You know, it would be able to hang over somebody's head. A little white light, a mystic light. So this was the Son of God, pre-Jesus incarnation. So God, the great light, gave birth to this Son. Don't you realize when you get the Holy Ghost, you know what the Holy Ghost is? It ain't a feeling, it ain't a sensation, it ain't speaking in tongues. It's your part of that original impartation of the little mystic light. Then it makes you quite mystical as well. Notice this, the sin of man was upon the son of man. He had to become a man in order to pay the penalty. What think you of Christ? The Holy Spirit is nothing in the world but the Spirit of Christ back in the church. If the Spirit of Christ worked in Jesus, <laughs> if the Spirit of Christ worked in Jesus, the Spirit of Christ worked in Jesus. This is why we don't believe Jesus only. Because Jesus could not be his own father, but God could become his own son. And what was in Jesus' humanity? The Spirit of Christ. How does the Bible say that Christ, that Moses suffered the reproach of Christ? He chose to suffer the reproach of Christ and then, then to have the riches of Egypt. Christ? Notice Paul didn't say the reproach of Jesus, but the reproach of Christ. All oh, friends, one of these days is going to hit you. It'll hit you wide open, man. It'll turn you every way but loose you're going to realize there ain't that much difference between you and him. It'll hit you. It'll be one of the last culminations that'll bring the bride to that spot when you look in the regular line. If you listen to who is Melchizedek and he said he come right down the regular line. He come from the attribute to the flesh man to be tested. But you bypass that. That's the difference between you and him. But when he come out of the very existence of the eternal, as I said, you don't remember, and I don't either, but I went out with him, Brother Nathan. You and I with him and the very same thing when our souls, and we look at one another whenever we die as we say, 
and we pass away and we miss them so much. My, we've gotten more and more on the other side just this past year and we miss them so much. But if we could venture beyond this land of time there today and go into that realm where our brothers and sisters are, they are not sad. They are not sorrowful. They are not lonely. Oh my, they're not going anywhere. They don't have anything to be bored from. They have entered back into that word form body that they were a part of before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. Listen, if the spirit of Christ worked in Jesus, you see, but what people want to do, they want to make the Jesus, they want to make Jesus God, the body, the flesh. And you watch them. Them that do that, they'll come right over and do the prophet the same way. How many of them will never come out and say they worship Brother Branham? But they do. They talk about Brother Branham more than they do the Lord Jesus. They make a God out of Brother Branham, and I'm against that, and I always will be against as long as I've got my right mind. Brother Branham was no God. He was born a sinner. He had to be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost like all the rest of us. He needed the blood of Jesus to forgive him of his sins. But you see, if you get this right, the Spirit of Christ was in Jesus. Why then would it not be so hard for you to believe the Spirit of Christ could come and step inside of a man in this generation and it would be so close to being the Lord Jesus that many would mistake him for him. But what was it? It was the same Spirit that was in Christ that was in him. The Son of Man revealing himself. Now today, the same Spirit of Christ is here in bride form. Now it's not here in prophet form to discern people's hearts and all that. But it's in bride form. And the church said, but if you don't get it right, then, well, we ain't got nothing, we're nothing. You know, Brother Branham was everything, and Jesus, and now we're nothing. It's the same Spirit of Christ. Question answer 1964, that same Logos has got a bride. Well, Logos can't marry flesh. What can Logos marry? Logos. That same Logos has got a bride. Can I have a few more minutes? Oh, watch this. He says, if the spirit of Christ worked in Jesus, the Logos worked in Jesus. And he gave his blood that he might cleanse us. And God, by foreknowledge, set orders in the church of different things. That same Logos, oh my goodness, working in us, will do the same thing got to. Look at this now in life in 1957. Out of the existence of the Father went the Logos, which was the Son, which was the Theophany, which was the body of the great Jehovah God went forth in a celestial body. That's the Logos. The word spoke out of them, the great fountains of life, and went forth, and there was a theophany, which was God made into word. God made into word. 
This is why Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, you've heard me quote a lot at funerals. For we know if this earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. So when the Father made himself this, theophany, he made yours. And he won't have one extra and he won't come up five short. He knew exactly all of his elect that would need theophanies. So when he gave birth to his own theophany, he made yours as well. It's there waiting for you. Brother Bram said, talking about the beyond the curtain of time, I seen all of you all there. I believe he's seen me. I might have been in the very back. I've been, been screaming, hollering, and jumping up and down. I said, there, there's Donnie. I know him anywhere. I'm going to be there. There ain't nobody in this world going to keep me out. Come on, saints. Oh, I'm not needed. I'm not important as far as the world is concerned. I ain't even worried about what the world thinks about me. The Lord Jesus loved me so much. My father loved me so much that when he gave birth to my Lord Jesus, my brother, he gave birth to me at the same time. My thought, my Lord, have mercy. Don't you see, children, why the devil wants to get our mind off of this, this great image of the holy, mighty God and us focusing on our trouble and focusing on our sorrow and we'll be so down and so despondent but may we look this morning beyond our trouble and beyond our anxiety and look and watch what our Father is doing. He's projecting his greatness to us, his love to us. Why? It'll help us rise among all the rest of the little zebra in the Messiah tomorrow and we will hallelujah we will not be discouraged we will not be down we'll not say I'm a hopeless case you are not your father imprinted his image on you glory to God listen to this in the Smyrna church age now here we are coming to a conclusion. I'm not responsible for my actions from this point on. I love this. As the eternal Logos God was manifest in the Son, and in Jesus dwelt all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and that eternal one was the Father manifest in flesh and thereby gained the title, the title of son. Now listen how close you are. Then he goes from Jesus and he said, and you bunch of serpent seeds, you rotten, low down scum of the earth. You were no good, you weren't even savable. I'm sorry, that's the, the, the denominational view. This is the bride view. This is what you were. Even so we, eternal in his thoughts, in our turn. Don't you understand where we are? It's our turn, Brother Larry. It's our turn. It was the turn of the Lord Jesus in the first three and a half years of his ministry, of course, and the focus was on the Lord Jesus, but whenever the Lord Jesus comes up and he comes back again in the form of the Son of God, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, guess what? It was Peter's turn. It was John's turn. It was Mark's turn. Then it became Paul's turn. Then it becomes Luther's turn. Then Wesley, then Pentecost. Then it became Brother Branham's turn. Guess what? 
It's our turn now. It's our turn, Brother Larry. This is our time. This is our turn, Brother Harris said, pray. For such a time as this, you were reserved for this hour, my friend. This is our turn. Let us light, oh my, let us light up this darkened world. Oh. Even so, we. Eternal in his thoughts and our turn became the many-membered spoken word seed manifest in flesh. And those eternal thoughts now manifest in flesh are the sons of God. Even as we are so-called, hang tight now, we did not become seed by the rebirth we were seed and therefore were reborn for only the elect can be reborn because we were seed is the reason. Hallelujah. I don't know. I don't know. This is the reason you could be quickened. It's because you were seed. Because you were seed. Therefore, you could be reborn. Hallelujah. My in non seed, there is nothing to quicken. What's he doing? Putting his image before you, before all the troubles and the anxieties and things that are around you. And what are you going to see when you see him? I look like him. Can you imagine, Brother Mac, that little zebra looking up at his mama and it's got stripes this way and that way and that way and running this way across the head and that way and then the little zebra looks down at himself and he said, I look like an elephant. I look like a giraffe. Well, I look like a skunk. He will look at her and look at himself and say, Mama, that's me. I see you, and I see me. Glory be to God. Can I read this quote again? Y'all mind? We're coming to a conclusion as the eternal Logos God was manifest in the Son and in Jesus to the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And that eternal one was the Father. That eternal one was the Father manifest in flesh. The human temple of Jesus was not that eternal one. Can you imagine he had a day that he took the first breath of human life? Laying there in that manger in that cow stall and all the animals around him and the Lord Jesus coming out of her body Maybe Joseph reached over and smacked him. It's kind of dangerous smacking the Almighty. Isn't it? And here, he took his first breath. A few moments before, he was in the realm of eternity. All the angels, all the Shekinah, the cherubims, all the great things. And then the next moment, he, hallelujah, glory to God, glory to God. That eternal one 
was the Father manifest in flesh and thereby gained the title of Son. Even so, we eternal in his thoughts in our turn became the many-membered spoken word seed manifest in flesh. And those eternal thoughts now manifest in flesh are the sons of God. Even as we are so-called, we did not become seed by the rebirth. We were seed and therefore were reborn for only the elect. Do you realize how blessed you are today? If you have a new birth, you are one in a million. If you have a new birth, over oh, Brother Donnie, all my mistakes all this year, you're looking at the wrong thing. The mama zebra don't show her little baby the mistakes and the flaws. He shows her her DNA, her pattern. He wants to imprint that. I am your mama. You come from me. Hallelujah. You are an extension of my life. I'm here. My goodness, I've seen them big old lions that they was attack a little bitty old baby zebra and they come there. It's a prime time for them. And that mama will go start raving mad. She'll kick them lions in the head she'll rally up, she'll palm them out, she'll do everything in the world to save them. How much more will our Father God, how much more will our Father God stand between us and all of our enemies? And if he allows the enemy to touch you, it's only for a furtherance of his glory. Let's stand Because we were seed is the reason we could be quickened. In non-seed, there is nothing to quicken. The prophet says it this way about such people as this. In 1965, ungermatized seed of human life. Ungermatized seed of human life. Oh, I'm so glad today I can't be satisfied being a denominational guy. Church of Christ. Well, I spent years in Pentecost, yeah. Preached, run, jumped, screamed, hollered. I did with all my heart, all I knew. But one day, a big eagle come swooping over the barnyard. I first was scared of it because my little brother right there started listening to tapes and reading books. And then he started talking to my little wife and she started listening to tapes and reading books. And she said, oh, Donnie, this is so good. This is so good. You ought to read it. No, no, I was a devout Pentecostal. I didn't need to listen to what some man had to say. But I seen it was having an effect on them. So one day I thought, you know what? There's a guy coming to our church and preached. He got up and I was a Pentecostal died in the wool and he got up and preached about Malachi 4. It made me so aggravated. I thought he shouldn't have done that in my church. And I left that day. I thought, I'm gonna get in the Bible and I'm gonna study this thing out. If there's a Malachi 4, I'm gonna know who he is. So I started studying Jack Cole, A.A. Allen. My, my, many, many, many men. And then I saved the best for last. I didn't realize it was the best at the time. 
And whilst trying to disprove that William Branham was the fulfillment of Malachi 4, I studied myself right here. I just thought, who else could it be? Praise God. But you know what? As I began to study that message and still do, I realized that the focus of the message just wasn't on Brother Branham. That he was sent to gather a bride for Christ. And as Eliezer being the type, and Rebecca hearing it, and on this three month long, we'll get back to that eventually. I know I've been way out here several years now looping. I'm gonna get back to her eventually. But riding on this camel train all the way back. And she didn't fall in love with Eliezer along the way and wanna marry him. He must have so got out of the way that he projected Isaac in such a way. She fell in love with a man she'd never met. This servant must have reflected, what kind of a guy is he? Oh, he, 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 he's just, he's unspeakable. What is there anything you can tell me about him? I mean, he's unspeakable. But you've seen him. Yes, yes, I've seen him. I was out on the sagebrush field early one morning. I was really troubled about my father in those days. And I was praying for him, sleeping on the swing on the porch. And I went out there and just praying, burden for him. And as I looked up in the field, I saw him standing there. And I thought, surely I'm not looking at my Lord Jesus. So I went, <clears throat> I cleared my throat. <clears throat> and I looked at him, he's looking intently westward. And I thought, I'll step around. I stepped around to look at him, still and looking intently. And I thought, I'll call his name. Remember Brother Branham in this vision, whenever he was there, he said he reached down and broke that little toothpick out of that sage. And y'all know what that is? You know what that's talking about? That's that little dry stick. And it's right on the very top of that thing. And he's kicking the ground and he reaches down and breaks that out and sticks it in his teeth. Now here he is, he's seeing this. You see, Brother Bram wasn't afraid to test the supernatural to see if it's God or not. That don't make God mad. That makes God proud of us as his kids. We want to check what's coming to us, make sure it's right. So he said, I thought, I'll speak his name. So he steps around and says, Jesus and he said, Fram, when I spoke his name, he turned and he looked at me and he said he had a face of such character. Now the way he depicts him in the vision, the way that he saw him, it was not like he was some handsome Hollywood sort of a guy, but a face that had such character. Now remember when he saw this, he saw the sagebrush blowing and he saw Jesus' garments just standing right above it and his garments was blowing in the wind. He said, then when I come to myself the next morning, my pajama shirt was all wet with tears. You imagine this little Rebecca and said, ooh, that's freezing me to death. Oh, them chills. Eliezer, tell me more. We got some great preachers in this message. 
We got some great churches in this message. But don't tell me about a great preacher. Don't tell me how blessed I am to be your friend. Tell me about Jesus. Tell me about him, preacher. Take his image and so imprint it upon me. But when I'm walking in the darkest of my valleys, that image will come back again and again. Don't you love him, saints? Heavenly Father, as I said it a couple of weeks ago, Lord, during the Christmas time that Christmas isn't once a year for us. It's all year round. This is the Christmas story, the original one. I'm so glad today that many of us present, those that are not be able to be here today or as well, we have the true, the original, the only Christmas gift. What was it? God sent a man to the earth to take our sin. He became us that we might become him. Father, you see the things that we're facing and going through. Forgive us for our weakness sometimes. But apparently today you wanted to do us as you did Job. You wanted us to look at how great you are. Before the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy, we were there with you in eternity. Praise God. No wonder Paul said, for I reckon that the present sufferings in this time are not even worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us at that day. It will seem as even just the faintest of memories. Praise God. We worship you today, great Jehovah. You are greater than our sin, greater than our darkness. You are greater than COVID, greater than flu, greater than colds. I speak your words today over your children, Father. Lord, you see many of my sheep are sick. Lord God, I send your word out to them by the means of the internet. In the name of Jesus, may sickness leave them. May sore throats go from them. May fever leave their bodies. In the name of Jesus, may anxiety and fear leave them. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, we call your bluff today, Satan. I'd like to remind you, devil, in none of these quotes that I've read today were you even around. You were nowhere to be found because you are a creature of time. So before the Father ever made you, he made me. And when there ain't no more you, there still be me. Because you did not come from that part of his mind. There's a part of his mind that he can think thoughts of time, expressions of time. 
they will serve a purpose in time. And when time is over, they will cease to exist. I remind you today, Satan, your days are numbered. Your kingdom is coming down. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I would like to remind you, saints, look at me just a moment. Several weeks ago, the Spirit of God brought this scripture to me and laid it on my heart to send it to Erica. And it was where Paul said that I pray that God will shortly bruise Satan under your feet. You're talking about a profound statement. The serpent bruiser of Genesis 3 was Christ. Now the serpent bruiser was the bride. You imagine Paul running a parallel between the church of that day and saying, now God will bruise the devil under your feet, little bride. You say, how could he say that? Because the original serpent bruiser is incarnate in his bride by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Whether it's cancer, whether it's a tumor, whether it's COVID, God will bruise Satan shortly under your feet. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh my, don't you love him, church? Don't you appreciate his grace? Sing something for us, Harry. Can we just worship a bit before we go? Oh my, ain't he so good? Don't you see what the devil wants to do to you? He wants to get all the bad news and you get a, a bad report on Fox and a bad one from CNN and this and that and the other. Sometimes I think we'd be better off to clean off our smartphones and put Bible and message and a lot of that stuff on there. It fills us with so, so much negativity. Come on now. We ought to be focusing on the stripes of our master, going back to our creation with him. You are more than conquerors. Let's just worship him a bit before we go. Oh, I wouldn't feel right about sitting here at his table like this and eating so good today and all, all of us just get up and walk out. No, let's, let's just thank him a little. Let's just thank him a little. Praise God. Praise God. Yes, Lord. Listen to the words now. The mountains and the sea Amen. is in control of everything, of everything. for creatures grace. He knows my name, every step that I take, every move that I make, every tear that I cry. He knows my name. Light of day, I know I'll be just.
stars one and all knows how much sand is on the shores he sees every sparrow that falls he made the mountains and the seas he's in control of everything of all creatures great and small and he knows my name Every step that I take, every move that I make, every tear that I cry, and He knows my name when I'm overwhelmed by the pain. I can't see. 